today's scripture reading is from Acts 8, 26 to 40. Please read with me the verses in bold. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you were reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Seated. And please join me in prayer. Lord, as we open up your word today, would you surprise us with your goodness? Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and fill us with faith, hope, and love. We come with all kinds of needs, but our greatest need is to know you more and be found in your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Super fun to be here. Um, one of the great things about this new role that I have is when you're a pastor, you just kind of your own congregation most of the time, and, and now I get to be kind of a pastor at large in the Presbytery. And there's just so many amazing congregations. I mean, and churches are just beautiful things. And I want to bless you for being here and staying here and being resilient through all kinds of stuff over the last years and uh, love these two be really nice to these two <laughs> pastors they're great people and um, <laughs> Cindy and I had we were at a presbytery meeting we had lunch with Brad and Daniel and Cindy didn't really know either of them and after lunch she just said, those guys are amazing what that church is about. And so we've been so blessed to then have our daughter, Heidi Ifland, um, 
and their family come and you, you all have welcomed them so, so well. So thank you for that. Um, as I mentioned, I've been a pastor for about 33 years, 33 years and uh, during that time, our daughter, Heidi Ifland, um, she was doing ministry with uh, Chinese scholars at the University of Washington and also in China. And so through here, we got to kind of see how that works and we're just so inspired and watching God doing this thing that's really unique in the history of the world where he's brought the nations to one other country, people from all over um, and most countries where the gospel is not preached or heard and these are the leaders that are you know, coming, uh, future leaders. Um, and so we're just like, well, and we were in Hawaii at the time, and we were having more and more people around our table from around the world. Um, as I was pastoring a church in downtown Honolulu, and uh, we were just more and more people, and we were having more and more fun. And uh, I told Cindy at one point, I said, this is what I want to do when I grow up, right? And uh, it turns out there is a ministry for old pastors to do this, you know? And so that's what we um, are doing, and we're at UC Berkeley. And um, how many of you, any Berkeley grads here? A few, yeah. There's always a lot of connections that, and if you know that community, we're new, but we're learning. Every year there's about um, a million international students that come to the U.S. Um, and there's 10,000 at, um, at Berkeley every year. So, um, you know, there, I think there's 45,000 students total. So 10,000 of that are people from other countries. And there's a verse in the book, uh, there's a verse in the book of Romans, uh, Romans 12, that just says, practice hospitality. Um, and the ministry that we're doing is really about hospitality to strangers. Hospitality just means welcoming strangers, and not just welcoming them, but um, praying that God will make them part of family. And it's so sweet to just see God in that hospitality, host, guest kind of interaction, God do amazing, amazing things. So we're excited to be um, part of that, and it's primarily a um, a ministry of hospitality and then exploring faith with those who are interested and also equipping Christians from around the world to go back uh, in whatever way we can help uh, to connect them back in their um, home country. Uh, so I want to start off with a story. We're going to look at the book of Acts, but I just want to start with a story. It's about Nepal and India and an old guy from Canada. So Pradam. Prem Pradhan is known as the Apostle of Nepal. Pradhan may be more responsible than any other person in seeing a handful of Christians in Nepal in the 1950s become 100,000 today. Pradhan was a Nepali Air Force officer stationed for a period in North India, where he heard the famous Indian Christian Bak Singh speak at his military base. So you have Pradhan and then Bak Singh, Pradhan was converted, went back to Nepal, and continued as a witness, even during frequent imprisonments. 
But what of Bach Singh, the person who led Pradham to Christ? Singh was used in tremendous ways in India, starting a church planting movement that eventually brought more than 500 churches into existence. How did Bak Singh come to Christ? Now listen to this. Bak Singh was an international student in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Singh had nowhere to go for Christmas break. While working out at the local YMCA, he met an old man. Struck by the peaceful face of the man, Singh commented on it. The elderly man, a Christian, asked Singh to spend Christmas with him and his wife. Singh did and became a believer. What then was the secret of the conversion of two great men and Christian movements in two Asian countries? It was the simple obedience of one Canadian follower of Christ to two simple words of admonition by Paul, practice hospitality. And, and God used, I love that, that old Canadian guy's my new hero. Um, I don't know his name, but, and I don't, I've never been to Manitoba, but it's probably really cold, and when you get old, you probably don't want to go out. You probably don't want to go to Hawaii to work, work out, but uh, maybe he didn't feel like doing anything around that day, but he, he did, he showed up. And he said yes, and he said yes to the stranger in the gym. And it turns out, it turns out in God's economy that our small yeses God uses in very big ways. We think it's all the big things are going to... God takes these little prompts when we say yes, and he uses them in surprising, surprising ways that we can't even imagine. Um, The title of this sermon is The Matchmaker. And um, our youngest daughter, Heidi's sister, uh, is getting married in September. And when, you, when you're engaged, people ask, how did you meet? And their story is that a, a mutual friend, you know, knew one person, knew, knew her and knew him, and said these two would be good for each other. And they started doing shuttle diplomacy back and forth, you know. And then it came together. And uh, uh, sometimes that doesn't work out. But in this case, it did at uh, this beautiful connection. And in this passage, we meet two people that a matchmaking thing happens with them. There's Philip, who's a Greek follower of Jesus. And then this Ethiopian man from Ethiopia. And they both say yes to the matchmaker. Um, And the result is... Uh, joy in the desert. And the matchmaker is the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit does this job of connecting you and other people and the scriptures um, and does amazing things. And that's kind of what we're about and what you're about in your Christian walk. I'm kind of a visual person, so it helps me to picture this scene um, um, in, in three kind of stages, three scenes. So I put them on the uh, slide there, the next slide. Yeah, so the first scene, verse 26 to 31, is out on the road. Um, they meet on this road. And then scene two is up in the chariot. And then scene three is down in the water. So we'll just look at those scenes 
uh, one at a time. And each of those, we watch the Holy Spirit uh, do the matchmaking work. And it, they invite us to not just say what happened, but invite us to, to kind of reflect on the matchmaking work that God is doing all around you um, these days. Um, so scene one on the road. Now, it turns out that Jesus loves to meet people on the roads, uh, especially in Luke and Acts. You know, th there's this great scene at the end of Luke, the road to Emmaus, where, you know, it's Easter afternoon or something, and these two disillusioned disciples are going away uh, from Jerusalem, and they're having this kind of discouraging conversation about their hopes being dashed, and Jesus comes incognito to them and starts a discussion that turns out to be him revealing himself, the kind of surprise, it's me. So he surprises these two disillusioned, um, uh, he catches up to them, these two disillusioned disciples, and he meets them and surprises them. So that's one, there's another famous road, the road to Damascus, where Saul, who later becomes Paul, he's off to persecute the church. It says, you know, he's breathing threats, and he's got this mission to put um, Christians in jail and persecute the church, and God ambushes him. Jesus ambushes him on the road and blinds him, and he, you know, has, he falls down and and through that voice and through that encounter and through that meeting with Jesus on the road, the whole world has changed. The history of the world has changed through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And we're part of that, you know, the fallout from the road. <clears throat> um, but here, on this road, Jesus meets this Ethiopian, uh, this unique man, um, and he meets the Ethiopian, not just directly, but he does it through Philip. So he uses this kind of mediating, you know, Philip filled with the Holy Spirit, meets this Ethiopian, and God uses that. It's a kind of a different twist. twist. And that's how most of us meet Jesus. Jesus doesn't come, come down and, you know, visually blind us, but we meet Jesus... I, if we went around these stories, it'd be I've met Jesus through somebody who, and the scriptures, right? Like this. Um, and if you're here exploring the Christian faith, that's most likely how you are going to meet Jesus when you do, is through somebody else opening the scriptures, like this old Canadian guy. Um, so I want to talk about... Philip, and then the Ethiopian. So, like, like we mentioned, Cindy and I have 15 grandchildren. And um, we have kind of an equal number of boys and girls. Well, we have 15, you can't have an equal number. <laughs> so we have eight, eight boys and seven girls. But as a grandpa, uh, I, I tried to stay out of the naming business with, you know, let the kids choose the names of their own, you know, kids. And so, uh, but at one point, someone, one of the kids asked me, you know, that what's your, what's the name you would choose? And I, I said, Philip. Philip, I just love this story. I love this. And it didn't really catch on. Um, 
Philip, you know. <laughs> but finally, our, our daughter, Heather, um, she has four boys, and her fourth boy um, actually was born at our house a, a couple of years ago, three years ago, um, home birth in our bathtub. And they, they couldn't decide on what name for him for like three or four days. They were just like, mm, I don't know. Mm. And finally, like on the fourth day when they had to sign the birth certificate or something, Sam, you know, came out and said, his name will be Philip. <laughs> and he's the coolest little guy, you know. Um, so I love Philip. Um, Philip has this character where he's just really, really open to God when you read his whole story. His default is he says yes when he's asked to do something by God. And I don't know, you've met people like that. There's, you know, a default that says no until you convince me. And there's a default that says yes until there's some good reason to say no. And people that have this default yes, there's a joy about them. You can recognize there's a simplicity, there's a freedom. Um, following Jesus is kind of an adventure then. It's like, I wonder what's going to come next from this yes. And the backstory of Philip, is this, this is not his first uh, assignment. We first meet him in Acts chapter 6 when he's one of the folks that is charged or called or asked by the church to minister to the widows. So it's kind of this ministry of food and care. Uh, some of them have been neglected. Um, and so he says yes to that. Um, the next assignment is in Acts chapter 8 earlier here. And he's asked, from, from ministering to the widows, he's asked to go to Samaria and preach the gospel. And let me just read what happens when he says yes. Um, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Wow. From caring for widows to this super intense, you know, uh, demon um, <clears throat> casting out and th this response, this whole joy coming to this place that was kind of the crazy place up in Samaria. Um, and, and so he says yes to that and now he gets this new assignment. Angel says to him, um, Philip, I want you to go down to this desert road and just wait for further instructions. This is, you know, he's up north and you go down south on this road. And he says, yes. Um, and so Philip kind of shows us what discipleship looks like as a follower of Jesus. He really followed Jesus. That's kind of novel. You, you know, when Jesus says go, you follow. Um, and one of the ways you can tell God is at work in your life is you're finding yourself wanting to, you're finding that your default mode is migrating. It's not just no, 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 and tell God twist my arm to do something. 
you find out yourself wanting more and more to listen to God's voice and his calling and saying yes. Um, and there's churches that are Philip kind of churches too. Some churches, it's all no, 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 until somebody, you know, twists our arm and we say yes. Um, there's other churches where, like, the default is we are open. We are here, God. We're available. What do you have us for this time in this place? Where do you want us to, what road do you want us to hang out on? Um, so Philip says yes, and he finds himself on this road, and he's not sure why, but he's not alone. He's not alone on the road. There's somebody else. There's this Ethiopian. Now, Ethiopia uh, is about 1,600 miles from where Jerusalem is there. It's a long way on a chariot, you know, and the... It takes months. Uh, it's not a weekend trip. Um, and it describes him this way. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Oh, I love this. So Philip is out in the middle of nowhere, wondering what's going to go on. And all of a sudden, this, on the dust, this, and you think of chariot, it's not like Ben-Hur, you know. This is more like a caravan. This is um, an entourage, more like the Magi coming, you know, probably a whole bunch of folks. And the man is from Ethiopia, so he's black, and it says he's a eunuch. There was a very common practice back in those days to castrate young males, to educate and train them for royal service. See that in different cultures. So this guy is the treasury secretary of Ethiopia, this ancient kingdom. And he's highly educated. He's refined. He's powerful. He's part of the Ethiopian elite. And what is he doing out there? It's odd, you know, maybe he was there on business, um, but it said he had come to worship. And the thing is, as an Ethiopian, and as a eunuch especially, uh, he was excluded from temple worship. Foreigners could become Jews by, by becoming proselytes, but as a eunuch, he could only look in the window, right? He couldn't and sit down at the table with God's people. So he's doubly excluded. But obviously, he's there. He said, come to worship. He's been on the road for weeks. And he has these scrolls that are very expensive. And he's, nobody had scrolls. He had some. It's very odd that he's out there. The matchmaker is doing uh, matchmaking work with this guy. And so Philip comes along, and Philip's been waiting, and Philip doesn't even have to try to make something happen. He's just there. Because here's what happens. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Holy Spirit loves to connect people. He does it through people 99% of the time. You know, the angel could have just popped into the chariot and sat down and explained the whole thing. But he, instead he says, I'm going to use Philip for this one. And that's really worth thinking about. 
seems like it'd be much more efficient for God just to come zap each one of us. Right? One writer says this, God doesn't come through the roof. He comes through the side doors through other people because God has something way bigger in mind. God is not just about snatching individual humans and bringing them to an individual heaven. God is building a new humanity, right? And, and new humanity is weaving the, the nations back together. So he does it through this matchmaking, cross-cultural kind of stuff. And that's humbling to think about, but it's thrilling. And it's scary, but it's beautiful. And we watch it happen here. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So stay with that chariot. Okay, here's what's going on. And follow him, run up. He does that. And he's reading the scriptures. But he's reading the prophet Isaiah, but not just any part of Isaiah, the darkest part, right? The most mysterious part for those folks studying about the Messiah, the most explicit about the death and resurrection of this figure, the servant. I love this exchange, these questions. You know, he just, what are you reading? And, uh, you know, my wife, one of the things that she's done over the years is she's a doula, kind of a labor and delivery coach, um, comes alongside women in um, labor, and basically just ask questions. I'm here, how can I help? What's going on? Um, and that's what happens here. The Ethiopian says, I need help. I don't understand this. I need, this is pretty mysterious. It's kind of confusing. And Philip says, I happen to know something about this. Um, and he says, come on up. And you can explain it to me. So down the road they go. So that's the first scene on the road. That's the longest one. Okay. Now we get up. He, the next one is up in the chariot. So now he's climbing up there. Uh, and this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. So he's reading this a passage about violence and injustice and this figure who was weak and abandoned and it's a grim passage about a victim who is falsely accused and the passage if you keep, keep reading Isaiah 53 it goes on this one will be the one who will justify many that's how it ends this one who has suffered will justify many and the eunuch said to Philip about whom I ask you does the prophet say this about himself or someone else. And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So he's up in the, scripture, in the, in the chariot now, and he's with this guy from a whole different culture, and he's got the scriptures there. They're opening the Bible, and he's pointing to Jesus. Um, and uh, the Bible can be a very confusing book right? Um, 
Can I hear an amen? The Bible can be a very confusing book, and Jesus taught his disciples the key was to read it through the lens of Jesus, right? That's the whole, you read, read every scripture and you, it points to Jesus. Where's Jesus here? And here, in this scripture, Jesus is the lamb. He's the one led to slaughter. Jesus is the one who was silent and didn't open his mouth, didn't defend himself. Jesus is the one who was crushed so that many could be justified and made whole. By his wounds we are healed. So this scripture is just perfect. Philip comes into the side door. He comes with the word and the spirit, and he says, meet Jesus. Surprise. And so Jesus meets this Ethiopian through Philip and the scriptures. So this unique man, an Ethiopian elite, uh, miles away from home, he meets Jesus on the road through Philip. The matchmaker is at work. You know, Philip, Mr. Ethiopian, meet Jesus. Surprise. And the light goes on for him. You can tell. He gets it. He's saying, wait a minute. If this is true, then I now have a seat at the table. Right? I'm no longer looking in the window. And the scripture through the Holy Spirit, given by Philip, becomes radioactive in this man's life. And it's like a spring is bubbling in the desert all of a sudden, right? And um, I, loved, I love how this worked. You know, when Cindy is in the labor room and delivery, there's a point where everyone in the room says, ah, the baby's coming, here comes the baby, right? And that's what you kind of hear with this Ethiopian. That leads to the third scene. And that third scene is through the water, the birth. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What a great thing to do. Look, I have some water. What, What would prevent me from actually being baptized like you've been talking about? Can you think of any good reason? And Philip says, I can't think of any good reason. And so they stop. He says, stop. You know, stop the chariot, and they baptize him. That's beautiful. One who's been on his, you know, on this journey, struggling, on the outside looking in, all of a sudden, the curtain of the temple is open through Jesus, and, you know, he has access, right? Every barrier that was out there has been removed through the death and resurrection of Jesus And that's our gospel, right? Every barrier Jesus has removed. I love this passage in Isaiah, just a couple of chapters up in Isaiah 56. I think I have a slide for it on the screen there, yeah. Um, It's talking about the coming age of the Messiah, and Philip, I'm sure, showed this passage to the guy. Look here. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say... The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. Don't say that, right? (laughs) Don't say that. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. I got nothing. Don't say that. To them, I will give within my temple now. Come on in. And its walls, a memorial, a family, a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be 
cut off. Here's what you say now. You say, because of Jesus, I belong forever, right? I belong forever. And this Ethiopian, um, you know, Philip says, my dear friend, right? Because Jesus was excluded, now you are included. Because Jesus was cut off, you were grafted in. You were made whole. And Philip says, I give you a new name, a new family. You, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I give you a new future. That's your new name. And you're cleansed and you're loved and you're included beyond your wildest imagination. And Christ's story becomes his forever. Right? And at some level, he gets this deeply. He gets this deeply, and there's all of a sudden, out in the middle of nowhere, in the desert, there's joy bubbling up in the desert, and a little new community forming between these guys. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he's, he's on another journey, says, yes, as he passed through, the, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. I can imagine just Philip and this Ethiopian coming up after baptism in this great big embrace, right? God putting the world back together again, you know, through the matchmaking work of the Holy Spirit, connecting to God's family, connecting us to one another. Um, so, um, because they said yes, as the Holy Spirit prompted their lives. As we come to the table uh, this morning, I just want you to just a couple of things to think about. First is just Jesus loves to surprise people on the road. And open your heart up today. Let him surprise you today. Uh, he loves to surprise disillusioned people we kind of live in an era of disillusionment. He loves to surprise us in our cynicism. He loves to surprise people like the, like the Apostle Paul, uh, Saul. He loves to surprise angry, self-righteous people, religious people. You know, surprise, it's me. He loves to surprise people who come across the world to get a master's degree or a PhD. And he says, what I really brought you here for, right? Here it's me. Surprise. How can I help you? Second thing, Jesus loved to surprise people through other people who have been surprised. We are welcomed sinners who welcome sinners. That's what we are. There's invitation here to an awareness. God is at work. God is at work and people all over the world and people that he's brought in this unique time to this area. Sacramento has lots and lots and lots of opportunities that God's bringing the world here. Uh, all kinds of people around you all the time and not just people from other countries, people just that you're, how can I help, right? God, what matchmaking work are you doing now? And so, Thirdly, is just to um, and say yes to the matchmaker uh, this morning. Um, this is 
invitation to deep, lasting joy in the desert. And God uses small yeses in very big ways in your life and in our city and in the world. Um, so as we come to the table, ponder those things. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for your deep love in sending your son, your son Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your deep love in making a way for us to be at this table, for removing all the barriers. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your deep love in coming to us, opening the scriptures to us, and opening our hearts and our eyes, showing us that the place of suffering is the place of welcome for uniting us to Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as we come to the table today, give us grace to receive you. Give us grace to welcome others in your name. Amen.